Hi, and welcome to Engage with the Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of today's hosts, Glenn McKay, a former executive director and current board member of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined by Eagle Forum's political director, Tabitha Walter. Hi, everyone. Today we are talking about a controversial issue that you're probably hearing about in the news right now, mail-in voting. Because we are dealing with a pandemic on top of an election year, voting is going to look a little different this year. So we've we've had to do a lot of shifting this year, whether it's working from home, canceling vacations and events, transitioning our kids to a different education setting, or even just distancing ourselves from loved ones. Mail-in voting feels like it pales in comparison to these problems, but there are some things you need to know uh, about what is going on behind the scenes. That's right. And that's why we have brought to you Hans von Spakovsky. He is the um, manager of the Heritage Foundation's Election Law Reform Initiative and senior legal fellow of the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. He works on an array of election issues, as well as issues dealing with civil rights, the First, the first Amendment, immigration, and government reform. In 2017, he was actually appointed by President Trump to serve on the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election and Integrity. But before joining the Heritage Foundation in 2008, he served two years as a member of the Federal Election Commission, the authority that's charged with enforcing um, campaign finance laws for congressional and presidential elections, including public funding. In addition, Hans has co-authored two books of interest to this subject, one on election integrity and the other on the Justice Department. His commentary and his analysis is featured in all of the major news outlets, and he's a frequent contributor to many news outlets. He even had a series that was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. So this is an amazing list of accomplishments, and that's just the overview. Um, Hans, you have been such a good friend to Eagle Forum for many years, as we've looked to you for insight and clarity on an array of topics. So thank you for your work and your dedication to truth, and we just want to welcome you to the podcast. Well, Glenn, thank you very much, and Tabitha, too. I appreciate you uh, inviting me today. Yes, wonderful. I, so first, let's go over the basics, like a little voting right. 101. What are the different ways that you can vote in this year's election? Well, you know, the normal, the normal way most people vote is uh, in person in their polling places. Uh, in about two-thirds of the states, they actually have early voting, so you can actually go to a limited number of uh, in-person voting uh, sites prior to election day, although uh, still uh, about a dozen states don't allow that. Um, in 45 states, the District of Columbia, you can also vote by absentee ballot. Again, in about two thirds of those states, um, you don't need a reason for voting by absentee ballot. In about a third of them, you do need a reason, such as being sick or physically disabled, or you're not gonna be in town on election day, or perhaps you're a member of the military or part of a military family serving overseas. Um, five states, including Washington and Oregon, have switched to an all-male election system. Um, they don't have polling places open. They all, people only vote by mail. And the difference between that, I think a lot of people have gotten confused about absentee balloting versus uh, all-male elections. So the, the difference is this. Um, look, with an absentee ballot in the states that allow that, uh, you have to request that absentee ballot. Uh, in most states, you have to fill out a form that asks you uh, register your name and other registration information, and you have to sign it and send it to election officials. That gives election officials some chance to authenticate 
that you really are a voter, you're a real voter. Uh, it's really you, you know, by comparing the signature with your registration signature. And they then will mail you an absentee ballot. Um, that absentee ballot, you can mail it back. You can hand deliver it or a member of your family can hand deliver it. Uh, unfortunately, in a number of other states like California, they have legalized what's called vote harvesting. And that means that in addition to you and a member of your family delivering your absentee ballot to election officials, uh, in vote harvesting states, they allow anybody to deliver your ballot. Uh, that's a very bad idea because what does that mean? Well, it means that you know, candidates, campaign staffers, party activists, political consultants can show up at your front door mm -hmm. and offer to deliver your ballot. And that can cause all kinds of, of potential problems because you're putting something very valuable, a valuable commodity, a ballot, into the hands of people who have a stake in the outcome. Right. And that has caused many different problems. Um, In-person voting really is the best way to vote uh, because you're also not dependent on the U.S. Postal Service. And quite apart from the potential for fraud uh, and coercion and pressure on people in their homes through the mail-in balloting process, um, you're, if, the vast majority of people who use these ballots mail them back. Well, that means, like I said, you're dependent on the U.S. Postal Service delivering your mail. And, uh, you know, how many of the folks watching this, how many of you have had mail misdelivered to your house, your neighbor's mail misdelivered, or had other problems like that? And that is a problem with these kind of ballots. Uh, anybody who doubts that, just look at some of the recent primaries, places like New York and elsewhere, where they've had a lot of reports of absentee ballots not getting delivered to voters. No, that's a great point. And that's something we wanted to ask you about. So right. there's been a lot of uproar over the Postal Service. And just for some background for our listeners, um, the new Postmaster General has actually been implementing reforms to right. enable the Postal Service to be more efficient and, and cost effective because the post office is meant to be self-sufficient, but it hasn't broken even in years. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I think the USPS actually reported losing another $2.2 billion just last quarter. Right. Um, a funny, I saw the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, they likened it to a blockbuster service in a Netflix world. Um, <laughs> but I digress. My point is that as election season is ramping up, the postmaster general who's trying to save the post office is being accused by congressional Democrats of sabotage. Um, the Trump administration is being accused of, of voter suppression. So the Democrats are wanting increased funding for the Postal Service. The president doesn't. Uh, the Postal Service actually advised states to consider how the mail works, like you pointed out, the, the potential for or delays and mishaps. So because of all of this, now I think yesterday, was it announced that 20 attorneys generals are suing the Trump administration? All of this has become just so politicized. It, it has. Um, what do we make of all of this, Hans? Like, how do we reconcile all of that? Well, I think people need to understand that, um, the typical Washington solution of throwing money at a problem is not going to solve the problems of the U.S. Postal Service. Um, as you said, they've been losing money for a long time. It's a badly run, badly managed organization. And in the past, any and all reforms to, to make it a good operation to run efficiently the way, for example, Federal Express does uh, uh, or UPS have all been opposed by the, I think it's seven unions mm. <laughs> that represent the staffers there. And, you know, uh, I, I have seen that liberals and some Democrats have been blaming the uh, mail delivery problems in the recent primaries on the, 
on uh, President Trump. Well, I hate to tell them, but uh, I think the reforms uh, that were uh, have been put in effect didn't go into effect until mid-July. And that doesn't uh, explain the problems that occurred in Wisconsin, for example, in April, or the District of Columbia, or Maryland, where, as I said, there were reports of, of thousands of voters not getting their absentee ballots, or not getting their absentee ballots delivered in time. In Wisconsin, the uh, Inspector General for the Postal Service recently released a report about 3,500 absentee ballots that were found in a mail processing facility after the election, because they never been delivered to voters. And this has been a problem uh, for many years of the Postal Service not delivering absentee ballots on time or uh, what's called misdelivery, where they're sent to the wrong address. It has nothing to do with President Trump. Uh, uh, it just has to do with the way the Postal Service, frankly, is not very well run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. on, on that same subject, um, it, it, President Trump has shared his concerns, and he even likened it to, um, you know, what if uh, someone's dog gets a ballot, or what if someone who has died gets a ballot? And, you know, that sounds absurd, but we saw what happened with the coronavirus stimulus checks. You know, people, right. it, people who had passed away actually received checks where families who were actually struggling never received a check. And so we have that mismanagement of the federal government and now you know, uh, Democrats want the federal government to step in and deliver ballots and you know, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, it, this, this has happened where I live in Fairfax County, Virginia, where we've received misinformation in the mail. It, over 500,000 Fairfax County residents received absentee ballot applications with the wrong information. Those ballots would go back to the wrong office and so if we're seeing that now, we're, we're surely going to see that after people are turning in their ballots. So, um, right. and, and obviously when you have humans involved, there's going to be human error, but these errors could greatly impact the election. Um, could you talk about the consequences of using mail-in ballots on a wide scale? Well, in fact, you know what you were just talking about um, is is one of the problems with the mail-in, uh, the all-mail states, because uh, as I mentioned, they they simply mail an absentee ballot to all registered voters. Well, the registered voter lists are notoriously bad shape. Um, they're filled with people who are dead. They're filled with people who have moved away. Uh, we recently added a case to our election fraud database at the Heritage Foundation of a guy. Uh, who, in order to show how easy it is to get registered in places like California, he registered several of his dogs to vote, and it went undetected by election officials. The only reason anybody found out about it was because he said something publicly about it to show that. Uh, if, if California goes to an all-May election, uh, the, the ballots would have arrived at his house, not just for him, but for all of his dogs, which he could have then easily filled out, signed, and sent back, and the state would never have known that that was a, a problem. Um, the other issue here is that, um, and this is demonstrated again by the New York primary. New York, New York held its primary on June 23rd. They had a huge increase in absentee ballots because election officials were encouraging that to happen. It's taken them six weeks 
six weeks to count the ballots and try to figure out who won. And, and they're still now contesting the results in at least one congressional race there. And the other problem uh, is that in New York City, election officials rejected one of every five ballots. And that's the other big problem with mail-in ballots. Look, if you're in your polling place voting and there's a problem, there's an election official there that you can question, who can try to remedy the problem, resolve it. Uh, there aren't any election officials in, in people's homes. And if you don't fill out all of the information that's required and do it correctly, when you send your absentee ballot back, it's not gonna get counted. It's gonna get rejected by election officials. One in five ballots means 20% of the voters had their ballot discounted. That is an enormously high disenfranchisement rate. And that's something that happens with absentee ballots. Absentee ballots, the rejection rate is much higher all the time than for people voting in person. Wow. Well, so let's um, dive a little deeper on the, on the fraud question. You've right. already mentioned those potential vulnerabilities and the things that we've seen, but I actually had a friend ask me um, after church the other day, uh, is voter fraud really a thing? You know, how could voter fraud be committed if every voter was mailed a ballot? And you've already really mentioned that. But if oh, we it's, wanted it's to, easy. and if we wanted to empower our listeners right now, what is the Reader's Digest version, the the elevator speech that that we should respond with when we're asked? Do you have so much information in your head, but we want to? Can we make that very succinct? Like, how do we talk about that issue and educate our friends? Right. Um, Look, we have an election fraud database at the Heritage Foundation. We started this a couple of years ago. It is only a sampling of cases. It is not a comprehensive list. Uh, we just added half a dozen cases to it. It's up to 1,296 cases of proven fraud. Now, some of those are cases where it's just one individual uh, committing fraud. For example, um, we, we added some folks who uh, illegally registered and voted in more than one state. And they used an absentee ballot to do that. Um, but we have other cases that involve literally hundreds and sometimes more of fraudulent ballots. And for anybody who, who is not worried about this, uh, look, I could cite to them numerous cases, but I'll just cite you one recent case. Um, in 2018, the only contested congressional race in the country was in North Carolina. It was the ninth congressional district. You may recall that it was an open seat, the uh, Republican uh, won by about 900 votes, but after the election, it came out that he had hired a political consultant. That political consultant has now been indicted along with six people working for him. The election was overturned. Why? The political consultants were going to voters' homes and getting them to fill out absentee ballot request forms. Mm. Uh, they then would be at the people's homes when the absentee ballots came back and they did everything from basically steal ballots out of a mailbox and forge uh, voter signatures to getting the voters to fill out, uh, I'm sorry, to sign the, the absentee ballots, but then the consultants would fill out the ballot, making sure it voted for their candidate. And wow. there was so much fraud involving these absentee ballots that um, the election was overturned. The other thing that often happens and you know, the targets of this are often people who are poor yeah. and uh, elderly, elderly, is uh, those kind of political consultants um, pressuring the voter and saying, you, you really need to vote for my candidate. 
you, you need to vote for the people I want you to vote for. And that, that, there was enough of that in the 2018 election to overturn a congressional race. Wow. And if that's happening on the micro level, what's going to happen on the macro level where there's right. millions and millions of dollars involved? Yeah, I digress. Mm -hmm. Right. Look, I, I, just very quickly, even more recent version, Patterson, New Jersey, just oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, had a municipal election. They decided to, oh, we've got to do it all by mail. Um, four locals have already been in, uh, indicted for criminal election fraud involving absentee ballots. Uh, the results of the elections there are um, uh, up in the air. We don't know who actually won. And they've had also huge problems with rejecting ballots sent back by voters. Uh, again, a very high disenfranchisement rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's discouraging on that front. Yeah. Um, so obviously we understand the risks of COVID and the need for proper safety measures, but there are certain ideological groups in America who are cer certainly embracing the situation to advance their long time goals. So can you explain how mail-in voting has become a political tactic, especially this year? Yeah, you know, what's interesting about this is, um, uh, and I'll give you a quick example, that Nancy Pelosi, as you know, uh, early on uh, dropped a bill in the House that was supposed to be a response to COVID-19. It had all these changes in it um, to, to voting and election rules that clearly uh, they were trying to take advantage of COVID-19 to put in changes, unwise changes that they wanted. And I'll give you two examples of that. Uh, her, her provision had uh, a section that would have outlawed all voter ID laws. Now, what has that got to do with COVID-19? Absolutely nothing. Uh, the other provision that was in it was a law that would have uh, overridden any state laws banning vote harvesting. In other words, uh, every state would have to allow strangers to come to your door to pick up your ballot. Now, uh, can you think of a faster way to spread COVID-19 than to force states to allow strangers to go door to door to door in a neighborhood saying, hi, I'm here to pick up your absentee ballot? Right. I, again, that has absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19, but it was them trying to take advantage of COVID-19 to put in uh, bad election changes that they want uh, a similar a similar thing that they're doing uh, right now is they're trying to get rid of security protocols that states have on uh, absentee ballots, such as requiring a witness to sign that you actually, the voter, are the one who filled out the ballot. Um, things like that that they're trying to get rid of, which would uh, raise a lot of security concerns over the election process. Well, one thing... Um you've written on recently, President Trump tweeted that we should just delay the election. And then you responded with a, a piece in Fox News that just tackled what the president said. Now we know that a president cannot actually delay an election, that right. that, that authority would come from Congress. Um, and further, I think you pointed out in that piece too, that federal elections weren't even delayed during the Civil War or during World War II. So the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. But what is your perspective on his tweet? And what is this, what did he really mean? What does this look like in the big the big picture. Well, I think a lot of people misread his tweet. They they read it as if he was saying that uh, he was going to delay the election. That's not it, it at all. What he did was he raised questions about um, the vulnerabilities of all male uh, elections and said, you know, should he raise it as a question? You know, he put question marks average. Should we delay the election 
rather than have an all-male uh, election. Uh, I don't think we should delay the election, but uh, I also don't think we should be pushing people to go to an all-male election for this, for this reason. Look, um, there is no reason why we can't all vote safely in person in our polling places. Uh, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, as you know, they're, they're the leading medical experts in the country on dealing with COVID-19. Look, they recently put out guidelines on how to safely vote in person, how a polling place should be run. And as long as election officials put in the safety protocols that the experts are recommending, all the same ones that we're seeing when we're at our grocery stores, line spacing, wearing a mask, use of uh, disposable materials like disposable pens to mark ballots, sanitation stations. If, if you're doing all those things, you can safely vote in person. It, it's, it's not just that the CDC has issued these guidelines. We know it can be done because it's been done in the last couple of months. Wisconsin had a primary on April 7th. Yeah, a lot more people voted by absentee uh, ballots than normal, but several hundred thousand residents of Wisconsin voted in person. They had all of those safety protocols we, we've just been talking about in place in their polling places. The CDC just issued a report also on the Wisconsin election. And guess what? They said there was no spike in COVID-19 infections uh, because of the election. So we know it can be done safely. And I, I guess what I would say to you is uh, if you can go to your grocery store, if you can go to your pharmacy, why can't we go to our polling places to vote? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, everyone's making those uh, sacrifices to, uh, to you know, wear masks or distance themselves. And so, and these protocols seem to be working. Yeah. Um, so when people are making the decision to either vote in person or vote by mail, and they're weighing all these options, whether it's COVID or maybe their kids are at home. No, I mean, who knows the reason? It could be a billion reasons why, yeah. right. you know, that right. would prevent right. them from wanting to go to the poll. Right, so Hans, what is your advice to people who are making that decision and weighing their options right now? Look, if you're in a high risk group, and as we know, the high risk group are people who are elderly and people who have, for example, immune deficiency diseases, well then, yeah, you might want to vote by absentee ballot. But all of the rest of us, uh, I really think you should consider voting in person, uh, someplace where you know the safety protocols are in place, but that you can see yourself putting your ballot into the ballot box rather than handing it over to a stranger or handing it over to the US Postal Service, hoping that maybe it will get uh, delivered in time. Uh, the way to look at this, I think is very simple. Uh, look, if, if either of you won the Powerball lottery would you be willing to put your ticket in the mail that you're mailing back to the lottery agency? Or would you not trust that? Uh, and would you want to deliver it in person? I think you ask anybody that question, they'll say, I don't want to depend on the mail service for something that important. And I think um, your individual vote is very important. Yeah, I, I want to uh, add to something that you said that um, there are people who are um, immunocompromised or have right. issues where they cannot go to the polls. And, and we totally recognize that. Um, but I, I think that if all of us use mail-in voting, 
um, how much more of a risk to those people who actually need to use that. I think that's putting them at risk, their vote at risk, instead of being able to exercise our right to vote in person. Right, no, I agree with that. And, and by the way, because I haven't heard anybody talking about this, Look, one of the things that um, Wisconsin did in its primary, which is very easy to do, is they set up curbside voting. Oh, yeah. Okay. And what they did was um, folks who, you know, had a, had a problem and couldn't go into the polling place, they drove their car up to the uh, polling place. An election official was out there with a ballot. The person took out, uh, Wisconsin fortunately has an ID law. They took their uh, ID out and held it up to the window in the car so the election official could read it without rolling down the window. Once they were uh, checked in, the election official, the, all you had to do was put your window down like this much, <laughs> and the election official put, in, put a plastic sleeve through the window that contained the ballot. The voter filled it out, put it back in the plastic sleeve, slipped it out the window, and gave it to the election official. They were able to vote safely in person uh, without any problems by just taking what, what just, just common sense steps to protect folks. Right. You know, I have a, this was several years ago. It was a presidential election. Um, I have a cousin who has a daughter with a rare disease and they live out in West Texas, but they were in Houston um, at the children's hospital and it was election day and she is so grateful and believes in the value of her vote so she was able to drive to go vote curbside as well so it's not like right. this is anything new we know how to no, do it exactly it's just yes. do we have the willpower to do it right right and just one other thing on this sure. the worst thing election officials could do is to encourage everybody to vote by absentee ballot and then say oh because of that we're going to reduce the number of open polling places yeah because the District of Columbia did that in their recent primary, um, they reduced the number of open polling places they normally have from 100 to only 20. And then they had huge lines on election day in their polling places because, guess what, lots of voters did not get the absentee ballots that they had requested wow. in the mail. Well, we've talked about so many things and this issue is something that obviously can be all-consuming. So if our listeners are interested in some of the things you said and want right. to learn more and know more, where do they go? How do they follow you? How do they find more information on these issues? Right. If you go to the uh, heritage.org website, that's the main page for the Heritage Foundation. Uh, if, if you click on, there's a place where you can click on issues, all the issues that we cover. And there's a, a issue there called election integrity. And that will take you straight to our page where not only do we have uh, all of the studies and papers that we've published about this, but that's also where you can look at our election fraud database. Mm. And you can click on, uh, a, we have a map of the United States, you can click on any state and it will pull up all of the election fraud cases from our database that have occurred in, in that state in, in recent years. Like I said, not comprehensive list, but at least a sampling that gives you an idea of the kind of fraud that unfortunately people are willing to commit. Yeah, well, and I'd also recommend that our um, listeners follow you on Twitter. I always have find such valuable information in the things you tweet. Good. So we'll post that in the in the comments. Great. Yeah. And Hans isn't just good on election issues. He's good on every issue. So <laughs> definitely <laughs> worth a follow. <laughs> well, well, thanks. That's uh, you're going to be you're going to be a high level. I got to have to live up to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Your reputation precedes you. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so much, Hans, for joining us today. If you are listening to our podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Will you share with your friends and leave us a review? We will love to hear from you. You can find us on all the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum.